Hi folks, welcome to another edition of Gold Design. Today I'm joined by Mads Davidson, as you guys heard in the last preview. Mads, thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing today? No problem. Thank you for inviting me. I'm uh, I'm doing very well as uh, our first team won 4-1 yesterday against Melbourne yes. in the Champions League. So it's a good day today for us. Yeah, definitely with a 4-1 score if anybody didn't realize that. Uh, fantastic win. Mads, if you could just tell us about your career and especially why you chose to become a technical director in the Far East. Um, what, what made you attracted to Chinese football? Yeah, I was working in Denmark uh, where I'm born and I was working in the Danish club Rumbu, uh, one of the big big clubs in Denmark. And then I had a chance to go to uh, China. A good colleague of mine uh, opened a football academy in China and he asked me to be the, the technical director of the, the academy. So... I took the chance 2012, so I'm, I've been here for six years, and uh, and uh, then I had a call from, from Sven Goran Eriksson, the, the, the famous coach who used to coach England, among other big teams, and uh, he was getting a job in 2013 down in south of China in Guangzhou, RNF, and uh, he wanted me to join his staff, so I went down there, and we had a very good season down there, uh, finished third in the Chinese league. And then uh, we had an offer to go to a new club, founded club in Shanghai called Shanghai CPG. And uh, that was uh, my way into this club. Uh, the first two years as assistant coach for, for the first team for, for Sven and also um, head coach of our youth uh, development squad. But then when uh, the club decided to, uh, to change the coach back in, uh, in 2015, uh, they asked me uh, to take this role as technical director, so uh, that has been my, my journey. And um, what do you hope to accomplish with uh, Shanghai FC, being the role of a technical director? Yeah, on, on several uh, levels you can say, because of course we, we need to have a very competitive first team. We need to compete in all tournaments. We, we, uh, we had a, a, a good season last year, we came to, uh, second in the Chinese Super League. We came to the semi-final of the Asian Champions League and we came to the final of the domestic FA Cup in China. So even we did not win a title, which was the big the big target, we, we actually had a pretty good season. And we have to do that again and we are aiming to uh, to get a title in, in one of three uh, competitions. Um, at the same time, I, I spend a lot of my time on the academy, setting up our philosophy, setting up the structures of training, of coaching, of developing players. Uh, and trying to create the path from youth to the first team. So I'm working, you can say, between the first team and the academy and uh, have to accomplish uh, both uh, paths to be uh, successful. Matt, the next question I have for you, speaking about the academy, obviously you're so uh, well experienced in this field. And um, just from your own experience, how big of a task has it been for you to like educate local Chinese coaches from your own perspective? Yeah, that has been one of my main tar uh, targets because I, when I come to China, uh, a lot of people told me that Chinese players were not uh, very good. And, and I, I was always questioning that, that sentence because why, why shouldn't they be... Uh, I, I couldn't see anything in their culture or in their phys physicality that, that would make them weaker players than other players around the, the globe. So after a few years of, of studies, I found out that the problem was the coaching, that they simply... Do, do not have a, uh, uh, the right football education system in China. So that has been my big target because if you educate the coaches, you almost automatically educate the players. So 
my main focus has been to educate the coaches because uh, then they will educate the players in the right way. So that has been been my my main. Matt, the next question I have for you is: There's so many now young foreign uh, players joining the Chinese league, which I think is a fantastic addition. Um, with you know how crucial it is for the development of Chinese players. How would you say this uh, development has been going, and what perspective has the, have these players, such as Halkan, Oscar, for example, uh, with these world-class players given to these uh, Chinese players? There's no doubt that they have a huge impact, uh, you can say, on and, and off the pitch. And, and if we start with on, uh, they are brought here to, to raise the level. Uh, for our training sessions, when, when you add top players, the training sessions will lift in quality. The quality will simply go up. So they, that's one of their roles. Then, of course, they're here to, to make the game stronger, make the league stronger, make a more competitive league. And at the same time, off the pitch, they, are, they have to be role models. They have to be inspiration for kids to start to play football. They have to be role models for our youth players to look up to. to this is how you, you train. This is how you... Live your life if you want to be a professional. I think our young players need to learn this from these top players who have played for Chelsea and, and so on. Um, so they have they have actually quite a, a big role for us and in general for, for Chinese football. They are ambassadors for the new the new generation of, of uh, Chinese players. If you could just tell the viewers, what are some big differences you've realized working in Asia uh, between Asian and European football? Yeah, obviously uh, you can say that in China right now we, we, are, we are developing a football culture where I'm, I'm from Denmark where football has been the biggest sport uh, the last uh, 100 years or so. So that is the big difference that in Denmark no matter where you're born, uh, outskirt uh, the west side of the country where basically there is there's uh, no people and, and not any big cities. There's always pitches. There's always uh, small clubs. There's always players that play football. Uh, where in China, we, we are developing this culture that, that now they put football on the school curriculum in some provinces in China. Uh, they built uh, football academies all over China in these years to hire uh, the amount of young players playing um, so that, that, that part has, for me, is one of the interesting parts of being here, that we are, all of us, part of a big project. Of course, I'm working for, for SIPG, uh, but overall, we, we should all have the big goal uh, to hire uh, the cold football culture in China, and, and through that, making a better league, uh, producing better local players, and hopefully over time, uh, improving the national team and seeing China go into a World Cup again. Matt, I have three more final questions for you. Thank you so much for your time. And, um, you know, obviously the Chinese Super League is becoming such a hub for foreign players and its progress has been um, extraordinary in the last couple of years. Where do you see China going down the road in football? Yeah, I think as long as the president of the country is behind this, this project, uh, we will still see progression. Uh, and I'm, I'm quite uh, optimistic when I see the young generation starting to get the right football education. I, for example, I saw a group of players born in 2007-2008 recently, and for me, they had they had the same level as as the European level. Uh, so these kids are uh, 10, 10, 11 years old, and now they are being given the same quality 
football education as you see in Europe. So, so for me, the hope is that if this continues, we will see the the, the massive change or the major result we will see in, in 10, 15 years' time. But, but China needs to be patient and China needs to understand that, that you need to develop this uh, progression over time. and You cannot do it fast and you cannot force through uh, some kind of development. It takes time and we need to wait 10, 15 years until we see the real impact. And uh, that, that, that's the big trigger for, for China, that they need to keep uh, patient. Mads, if you could, as you know, this podcast has also revolved around Iranian football. A lot of notable clubs in, from Iran are actually part of the Champions League right now, as you know. Um, could you just give us your general thoughts about Iranian football from just from your own experience, just dealing with these clubs or just from the Iranian national team, per se? Yeah, I think uh, I, I, as far as what I've seen of, of the Iranian teams in the Champions League and also, of course, the, the Iranian national team who, who has done so well in the qualification, that I think uh, I, I, Iran has uh, has a football culture. I also remember when they played against China and there was like 100,000 people in, in the stadium. <laughs> so uh, I think uh, that, that you're privileged that, that you have, You've had football in your culture for many, many years, and that, that of course, is always positive. Um, I still think that, that, that you could develop more, uh, uh, how to say, level one players, I call them. So players who can play in the, in the best leagues in Europe, there's still not that many uh, Iranian players playing on the highest level. So that, that should be the next target, I think, for a country like, like Iran. Uh, you also, uh, in some way, survive a little bit on, on a very strong defensive organization uh, in, in your qualification. So maybe open up and they also uh, develop some, some offensive-minded uh, top players would be interesting step for, for Iran. But uh, but they play well. I also like to watch the, the, the teams in the Champions League. Estogal I've seen several times and uh, it's an interesting team to watch. Matt, thank you. Uh, the last question I have for you is, as you know, five aging teams for the first time are uh, in the World Cup. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Japan, Iran, Australia, and South Korea. Um, just, just a general emphasis. You don't need to get it really specific about talking about each team. But how do you see Asian teams doing in the World Cup, and how big is this for Asian football? Yeah, World Cup is the, the World Cup is the biggest thing. So, from, for me, it's interesting because we, I see it as a test. I see it as a, a measurement of where are Asian football compared to European football. Are we are we closing in on the gap? European football, are we lagging further behind or how does it look? Uh, not only in terms of the results because that, that that can be a little bit dangerous just to look at the results because football is also about luck and, and coincidences but also player, individually players, uh, how, how do they, Asian players look individually, te- te- technically, tactically, physically compared to the European standards. So, so that is for me the interesting part. Um, I still think, as I said before, also mentioned about Iranian football, that, that kind of goes for for all of us, also in China and in Korea and Japan, uh, who I follow a little bit more closely, you could say, because we play them in, in the Champions League. Uh, that that we, need to, we need to make sure that, that we develop players to the highest level, that, that we don't, we're not just happy by producing players who can play in Iran or who can play in China or who can play in Japan, but we actually understand the demands of modern football. What does it take to play in Spain on the highest level? What does it take to play in Germany or in England on the highest level? And there I would like to see more Asian players going in, in the future. And that, that, uh, that we need to, uh, to try to work on.
Matt, the last question I have for you, it's just hypothetically speaking. Let's say when your time in China is up and a club from Iran wants to contact you and they contact you to get in touch with you, would you take that offer? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to, uh, to projects. I, 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 I use the word projects even if it's often that I work for clubs, but I use the word projects because for me it's all about which, which project I'm being uh, offered to be a part of. And, and of course, I, I always look at my influence. I, I'm not that interested in titles or, or fancy CVs, but, but more my influence. So what, what exactly uh, is my influence? What can I do? How much can I move? To be honest, uh, I've had six good years now in China, and I, I really love China, and I, I like to live in China, but it's also kind of a proof for me that, that I think I can live anywhere uh, in the world. And, and, and there's a lot of nice places out there, so I would never say no to uh, to anyone before discussing the details. Matt, thank you so much for your time. And if there's any last thoughts you want to say to either that's Iranian or Asian football fans in general, because um, we have a lot of it's a pretty international recognized podcast. Um, just any last thoughts you just have to say? Yeah, I would like to say to to the fans in general that that all of us should should always remember that the fans they are football uh, that. Us working inside the industry, we are very privileged that someone will pay me, for example, to, to live in football. And I can only do that because of the fans. I Sometimes I say this to the players when they forget to, to say thank you to the fans or they don't want to do an interview, that they must remember, we all must remember, that we are only here because of the fans. Because if there's no fans, there is no TV money, there is no uh, sponsors, and then there is no salaries, and there are no... Uh, hiring people uh, in, in footballs, full-time uh, jobs. So the fans are always uh, the most important in football. Thank you so much, Matt. Beautifully said. Really, football is always with the fans. And the work you're doing in China is absolutely magnific magnificent, my friend. Thank you so much for your time. No problem. Thank you.